0: PR can be perfect for your business growth. If you have a different story to tell, journalists will want to hear about it. But there's more to success than just bunging out a press release. In this episode, I talk to Janet Murray, a journalist who helps people master PR and the opportunities it brings. Listen to Janet's tips on building relationships with journalists, how to pitch your story, and how to get it into the media. That's all right here in episode 93 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast.
1: Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards.
0: Welcome to the Empath Podcast, Thank you for downloading or streaming the show, I really appreciate you taking your time to put me and my guests into your earphones. Do you use PR? I've always been a massive fan of PR, and I've used it successfully in my roles both within big corporate and since branching out on my own. As always it's as much about creating relationships as it is about preparing story pitches or sending out press releases whether you run a small or a large company you can benefit from getting your story out into the media that's why i'm delighted that my guest this week is janet murray and she has lots of ideas that's why i'm delighted that my guest this week is janet murray and she has lots of ideas about how you can do just that Janet has 15 years experience as a national journalist and editor working on The Guardian, The Times and The Huffington Post. She's also in business to teach people how to get high profile press coverage. She doesn't actually do the PR for people, rather she prefers to teach her clients to do it for themselves. Janet believes this can be more effective than hiring a PR agency for businesses of any size. I really enjoyed this interview. It's brimming with ideas and insights. So let's get right into it here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. And so, Janet, welcome to the Ampath Podcast.
2: Thanks very much for having me.
0: How are you, Janet?
2: I'm good. I'm very busy at the moment, so I'm kind of running around a little bit like a headless chicken at the moment, (laughs) trying to do many, many things, but it's always fun at the same time.
0: And tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh, of course.
2: So, I'm in Kent, so I'm just outside London, about 25 miles from London. Nice part of the world, very near to London, but at the same time, you can get out to a lovely country pub or a lovely country... Walk really quickly, so that's really nice.
0: And today, Janet, we're going to talk about all sorts of things PR related, particularly maybe how financial services professionals running their own business can tap into PR and use it to create relationships with journalists and hopefully to create a, an increased profile for themselves as a personal brand or for their business brand. But before we get to that, Janet. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you've come from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes Janet Murray tick?
2: Okay, so I started off certainly in my professional life. I started off as a school teacher, actually. So I did a degree in English, and then I was really keen on going into journalism, actually. But everybody told me that I would never make it, and everyone said when I said I wanted to write for the nationals, "Oh, you'll never do it. You haven't got any connections. You know, you don't know anybody." And everyone made it sound so hard that I have to admit I was a little bit put off. And I that wasn't very mean, nice of them, was <laughs> <there? laughs> it? Uh, they just made it sound like you have to have connections, and if you want to work for the Guardian, you have to know somebody, uh-huh. and this kind of stuff. And I was young and worked behind the ears, so I kind of listened to what people said. I wasn't very confident when I was younger, actually, about right. my abilities. Really, I was the first in my family to pretty much finish school, and never mind sort of go to university. And so I was a little bit underconfident sometimes about my abilities. So I went off and trained to be a teacher because that seemed like a sensible thing to do. And I had—I I was always interested in, in teaching. It was always something Thing that I'd thought about doing. So I did a teacher training course and I really enjoyed it actually. I ended up teaching English in secondary schools along with media studies and drama and I did really enjoy it but there was always something that was nagging at me telling me that I needed to pursue this journalism thing mm-hmm. and so after about three or four years I was about 25, 26 and to be honest the workload was pretty, <laughs> was pretty, uh, pretty intense. I decided I, I, you know, it was now or never so I, I Gave up my job. I went and retrained as a diploma, postgraduate diploma in journalism at the London College of Printing. And just went from there, really. And whereas most sensible people might have tried to go and get a job on a newspaper or magazine... I had this idea, I had a bit of beginner's luck when I was on my course, we were very much encouraged to sell our work into the media, so I had a bit of beginner's luck where I sold a couple of stories into the nationals just by sheer kind of hard work and determination, and I thought, you know what, I think I could maybe make more money doing this and right. obviously I'd left behind a teaching career where I was earning you know, quite a, a good salary really a few years in and I had a car loan and student loans and all this kind of thing so I thought well you know maybe I, I can earn more money and this sounds more fun you know selling stories into different publications not having to get up and get on the train every morning and go into London and so I went against what everybody said was a good idea and that's exactly what I did and everybody said I would never be able to write for the national newspapers and magazines. But I actually did it, well, I did it while I was on my course. But within six months, I was writing for titles like The Independent and The Guardian, lots of, you know, trade publications along the way and lots of less kind of, you know, kind of headline um, impressive-sounding titles. But I basically just kind of hustled, you know, I was just, like, determined to do this. So I bought every newspaper, every magazine I could get my hands on. Obviously, that was back in the day when... You know, most things were very much kind of print orientated, and just made it my business to get my byline in as many places as possible. And,
0: and- was that your style of approach to the editors? Was it the pr- proposals for stories that you were putting forward? Was it were you just being cheeky, or what was the what was the key to getting in there so quick out of out of college?
2: I think. Essentially, it was needing to pay the bills. <laughs> like, freelance journalists, everything I teach now when I teach people how to get PR is everything I learned as a freelance journalist. And it's a very, very simple. If you want to be featured in a particular magazine or newspaper, you have to read it. Now, mm. that probably sounds like the most obvious advice, but you would be amazed. You know, I quickly discovered within a few months, and then once I started to get on PR companies' mailing list and they started sending me their press releases, I quickly discovered that I was actually in the minority. Right. And most people were absolutely just dreadful at pitching to journalists. And people would pitch me for some of the titles that I'd, I I wrote for. And I would just think to myself, how could you possibly think that I would be interested in that or anybody, anyone would be interested in that? And after a while, what started to gall me was the fact that that some of these PR companies were representing small business owners like me. I mean, not like solopreneur, solopreneurs, I should say, like me, but they were you know, small business owners who didn't probably have a lot of disposable income to pay with uh-huh. and were spending money out on this really, really bad PR representation. And I almost wanted to email these people say, do you know what you're paying for? Do you know that someone has just sent this out on your behalf? Because this is really bad. I mean, I never did. And um, <laughs> I'm still tempted to do it now. But um, so, so I, I, I just realized that basically that there were a lot of PR people out there who didn't know how to pitch to journalists and I guess I must have had an entrepreneurial streak in me because I thought well you know if they're not doing this very well then maybe I can teach them how to do it. So um, I started running workshops with another journalist friend of mine Louise Tickle in London just to earn a bit of extra cash on the side really to supplement our freelance writing because it's not particularly well-paid and certainly the publications that we wrote a lot for like the Guardian there's not a lot of money in it and um, so we started running these these conferences and we had like people from quite big brands I remember having people along from John Lewis and some of the really big charities you know like Bernardo's and cancer research that kind of thing And they were like just eating out of our hand. They were desperate to learn this stuff which was just second nature to us. We were just like, if we want to be in this publication, we have to read it. And I don't mean just read it. We have to study it like we were studying for an exam and really get to understand what kind of content they run, what gaps there are, because sometimes you pick up a magazine or newspaper and they've got regular columnists or they've got regular slots that are already filled. So half of the battle is just working out where the spaces are that you you can fit into and what you might be able to offer. So we did that for a few years and then eventually we sort of worked out that maybe we i mean what what i always try to do all along it's something that i desperately try and encourage people to do now is if, if you want to get in the media is to meet journalists yes. and to, to make it your business so right from early on when i was a freelancer i would be there like I, I just emailed everybody. This is probably where I was a bit cheeky, but I would email anybody who's a journalist and ask them to meet me for coffee. And I got lots of knockbacks, mm-hmm. to be fair, but I also got lots of people who said yes and they were quite flattered. And even if it was somebody who wasn't necessarily like on my radar, even if it wasn't a publication that I would consider pitching to. I would still would meet them because I think, look, this is a journalist or an editor. They understand what kind of stories work, what don't. I'm going to learn something from them. And in one particular example, actually, I was at a party for the Times Educational Supplement. And I met this guy who used to work there and was now working on The Independent on Sunday. And I'd never even considered writing for the Independent on Sunday, really, or certainly not the section. He was a, he was the news editor or the assistant news editor, and I just emailed him and said, "Can I come and meet you for a coffee?" And I ended up doing some work for the Independent on Sunday, and as I thought, I would end up writing news stories for them, which was again not something I'd ever thought about. And this guy's now at the Mail on Sunday, and has you know remained to be a really good contact of mine. So, mm-hmm. so I always recognise the value of just having those face to face meetings and actually getting in front. I know we've talked about this, Roger, when we've we've sort of met up. But, you know, from from your sort of previous background, just you know, there's nothing that beats sitting down with someone and getting eye contact with them and finding that common ground. And you know, so so we started running these big events in London where we would invite eight ten journalists along from a particular sector. In our case, it was education because by that point, that's what I was really specialising in,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and also social affairs and we'd just kind of invite them along, we'd have to pay them lots of money to do it, yeah. and then we'd basically sell tickets to all these PR people to come along, and they were sold out, you know. People were just like, yeah, brilliant, you know, I'll get a day where I can spend a day in a room with all these journalists and listen to what they say, but also just maybe go up and talk to them and ask them questions, and and so from that, you know, then we started to get asked, we, we kind of went, ended up going our separate ways, I me and Louise, we're still very good friends, but we, we ended up sort of doing our own thing, But But um, from that, you know, I I started to do more consultancy, more training. And and I I just kind of found I really, really enjoyed helping people. I I got to the point where I, I enjoyed helping people get in the media more than I enjoyed creating content for the media and <laughs> writing and for the media, and I got to this point where you know it, it, it was my dream when I first started out in journalism it was like my dream to write for the Guardian and and I got to the point where I was a regular contributor in the education section I was even standing in for the editor when she was on holiday she had asked me to go in and edit you know a section of a national newspaper on my own which felt like a great honor to be asked to do that and but I got to the point where I thought god if I have to write one more article about some aspect of education policy for the guardian i think i just might die i, I just got so you know you get burnt out yeah and you get tired and and i just got to that point so so i started i started this blog like two or three years before that where i just was sharing like um useful tips for people on how to get their stories in the media and it got more and more popular so I started to run courses and then I started to think about how I might be able to sell online training and and then I I got really interested in working with entrepreneurs and small business owners so now that probably brings us that's my very long-winded way of bringing us up to date (laughs) where um, I've now got a business where I I do coaching so I've got a small group coaching program where I teach business owners and entrepreneurs how to sell their story in the media but I also still work with some big brands as well Um, I've got a membership community for people who kind of want more ongoing support with telling their story in the media I've got a podcast and a blog and I still do lots of training I'm running an event in London next month similar to the one that I described and life's very busy and fun and and I love I love people particularly helping people who've got their own businesses tell their story in the media but then I also I still work with sort of big organizations and brands and I love that too so it's just really fun and really creative and and no no business you ever work with is ever the same so obviously you're, you're going to get that variety which is great.
0: A lot of what you said there just really resonates and actually just reminds me of some of the experiences I've had myself and I think you you mentioned one of the things that we talked about the last time we met when I was younger when I used to work mainly and main, it more in a PR role in, in my marketing experience I used to get a lot of comments from my competitors saying, how on earth is it that you're always being quoted in the press? Tell us what you do. And I sort of bounced it back to them and said, well, you tell me what you do that results in you not getting quoted in the press. And they would say, oh, we send out press releases and occasionally we might invite the journalists along and let them meet the, the executive board and we'll... Put them on a really swanky lunch in the executive dining room, and and I said, "Well, do you know what? Do you want to know what I do? I just take them to the pub, and 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 that was basically. I used to take them to the pub, and we we didn't talk about financial services. We didn't talk about the latest product that I was trying to pitch. We talked about everything from what what was on TV, films, hobbies, this, that, and the other. Got to know them as a as an individual person, and then it. If the time was right, once I felt I had a relationship with them, I might slip the product story in. And mm. as a result, it tended to get uh, get out there and get published, much to my uh, competitors' uh, annoyance, of course.
2: Yeah, well, it's, just, it's just kind of that thing about a lot of us don't like to be sold to, do they? Mm. And I, I just like, I work at home like you do. And about an hour ago... I was absorbed in doing something, and my door went. And there was this guy standing at my door who was clearly trying to sell me a driveway or some roof tiles or something. <laughs> yeah. And immediately I was irritated because yeah. he just knocked on my door. I was busy, interrupted me, <laughs> and um, and then he started to say, "Oh, please, can I just talk to you for a minute?" And I said, "Look, I work at home. I'm really busy. I'm really sorry, I haven't got time." And he kind of went off in a bit of a huff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but that's kind of how it feels, you know. As a journalist, I think I said this to you when when we met, but people would come into The Guardian when I was working there for coffee and so people would say, can I come and meet you for coffee? And I was always kind of quite keen to to meet people Uh and then they'd just sit down and talk at me for like an hour and then I'd leave and I'd be like, oh Uh God, you know. and, And I think you're so right about building relationship and starting with the personal stuff and mm-hmm. it's it's true of any kind of networking is any relationship that you're building up like, you know i was really interested when we met at content marketing academy when you suddenly pulled out the bag that you that you um what is it you teach is it like punch classes or something yeah body you know, combat body combat yeah and i was like god that's so interesting and and i immediately as you can imagine started thinking of some media angles on that <laughs> but um but you know it's it's that thing is that when you build a genuine relationship with somebody and you find common ground and people kind of like you as you say that's when you can start to bring in that kind of product thing or even i mean i did a podcast episode a few a few podcasts ago where i just I mean it sounds bizarre that you'd have to sort of help people with this but otherwise people do tend to go in, they get so nervous they just kind of vomit all over journalists <laughs> when you get to meet them it's, it's just like what things to say and even just sort of saying you know how long have you worked here mm-hmm. or you know what what kind of stories do you look for or you know what are your biggest challenges, or, what, what kind of stories are, is it hardest for you to, to find even just kind of asking those questions and make you know just trying to build up an understanding of, of what their job's like and, and, and the challenges they're under can be much better than going in and trying to sell but i think most of us we feel the minute somebody tries to sell to us we just feel really really uncomfortable which is why i think your strategy you know clearly was very successful because you you tried to get to know people to journalists as people it's funny i was running an event in london on thursday night i run these monthly sessions called soulful pr sessions and one of the ladies who's in my she's in my sort of business um, my membership community it's the first time i met her in person and she said to me afterwards we had this lady who was an editor from the evening standard yeah. magazine and she said to me oh i just feel so glad that i came out to do this because she's like a real person mm. and like you know she's she she's like you know she's not this kind of person sitting in this kind of you know, ivory tower type position. She's just a real person, and she's, you know, and and that makes me feel so much better. And I feel so much better about pitching to her now because I I've met her and I understand her kind of thing.
0: And and this is quite interesting because one of the other things that I've done throughout my career is try to encourage other financial services professionals, particularly financial advisors who run their own businesses, to try to create relationships with journalists and to and to use that contact to try to get stories out there into the media and even though these people financial advisors are in the relationship business i.e they're wanting to get to know individuals and help them with their money as soon as you identify somebody as a media person or as a journalist there's almost this oh you need to treat them a different way they're not really human beings they're out to trip me up they want to write a story about me having an affair with somebody or me being a fraudulent dealer or something like that, rather than saying, no, this is just another person that you would have a relationship in the same way you would have a relationship with a client. And they're just interested in a different thing. Your clients are interested in you helping them sort out the finances. The journalist is just interested in any stories that you've got. I mean, genuine stories, not product pushes, mm-hmm. but genuine stories that you might be able to help them tell to a wider audience why do you think that is that people have this perception of journalists that are almost afraid of them
2: it's a really interesting one because i, I think it's often because people just don't understand the media which mm. is why i say if you're scared of the media that's why you need to get some media training and find out more because i mean I have this bizarre thing where you know when i was really in kind of like the sort of days when i was writing loads of stuff for the guardian and i'd be standing at the school gate and people would say to me oh well of course you just make stuff up don't you and i'd be like (laughs) oh yeah right you know (laughs) and the thing is it's like as a journalist it's like you you can't make stuff i mean i I have this thing it still happens to me occasionally now my phone will go i never pick up my phone because i'm either being still got pr people phoning me all the time or it's kind of old people like this but my phone will go and someone will say i'm not going to tell you my name i'm not going to tell you where i'm from but i've got a story and usually it will be something that is very unremarkable (laughs) (laughs) kind of politely trying to move them off the phone and say look you know this isn't usually a personal gripe they've got with somebody and at the end of this kind of half an hour they've taken up the time they will say you're not going to print this, are you? And I say, well, how can I? I don't know who you are. I can't verify the story. I, it's your word against theirs. You know, I could get sued if I was to publish the story and I couldn't publish it anyway because I don't know who you are. And, and sometimes I think there's a lot of misinformation about, because people just don't understand how journalists work, you know, the, the questions I was asking before, you know, saying before you should ask when you meet a journalist, that they... They sort of imagine that they can print stories, you know, I can't just go and write a story about somebody having an affair or, or mismanagement of money without being able to verify that story. And we often talk about it as, can you stand the story up? So mm-hmm. I might go to my editor with a, a story and she'll say, yeah, but can you stand it up? Because if we can't stand it up, if we don't have evidence, you know, in the form of like, you know, on paper, proper evidence, then the lawyer will just send it back to us and say, no, you can't run that story. So. I think to kind of get onto your question, I think that sometimes people have had their fingers burnt. So, mm. and you know, often maybe maybe the media has reported on something that they didn't want to get out, and you know, that's kind of <laughs> how it works. But other times, when you ask people what is this bad experience you have, often they'll say like, "Oh, they spelt my name wrong," or "I felt I was misquoted." When you dig a little bit deeper, actually, the journalist has done nothing wrong whatsoever mm. or if they've done something wrong it's something that could have easily been fixed like a misspelling or whatever and, and you just ring the paper and they will print a correction or whatever but I think like many of us if something negative happens we tend to sort of blow it up into this big thing that becomes this like massive thing and and you know everyone else has moved on and forgotten about it but also I think sometimes people have unrealistic expectations of the media as well So
3: right.
2: so someone shared a story with me the other day a PR person who's very, very good, and she'd managed to get her client a five-star restaurant review by in by A.A. A. Gill in the Sunday Times magazine. Wow. Um, and um, the client... Was not happy about that because somebody's name was missed off or something, you know, like the head chef wasn't mentioned or so. I can't remember the details, but something like that. And so I think often people's expectations are unrealistic, or you know they don't understand that they, you know, if a quote isn't doesn't come across quite how they they thought it did, then they're like, well, why wasn't I allowed to read it before? Well, that's not journalism, and 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 all of it comes back to this thing about is if you understand, if you you know, for example, invest in a little bit of training to understand. What a job a journalist job entail? What it is that they're trying to do, and some you know some of this stuff like why you're not allowed to read the articles before they go to print, and mm-hmm. what happens if you know a name is wrong or something like that. And actually, I've been through personally, been through a press complaints commission thing. Right. I wouldn't want to go through it, through it again. Um, that was and it. Was actually not really to do with my my article. It was to do with the headline that right. somebody wrote. Um, but journalists are really not keen to to make mistakes. So. I think most of it just comes from misinformation and sometimes it isn't even the person involved that's had a bad experience, it's their friend or their mum or their whatever. Um, and I think just getting past that, you need to, and you know, in order to, to benefit from, I mean the media has huge, huge you know, benefits for your business. But if if you're kind of letting one thing that you've heard about or one small thing that's happened hold you back, then obviously you're missing out big time.
0: So of course we've we've tried to overcome that that first perception that, that journalists are out to get you and journalists are going to try to trip you up. And and of course there are quite a few fan, quite a lot of financial services professionals out there who would like to create relationships with um, with journalists and with the media but then I guess the next hurdle is how to do it and obviously taking them out for a coffee taking them out to the pub whatever it is is a good way of starting to create relationships but I think there's also a perception out there that all you need to do is to bung out a press release and I think this is something you're particularly passionate about Janet isn't it um, and in fact you're so passionate about it you've written a book about the <laughs> subject and, and we'll get on to that in a few minutes but a press release is perhaps not the best way initially to cultivate a relationship is it
2: no sadly i think that there's there's people out there who think that all they need to do to get press coverage is to write a press release they'll send it out and then journalists will be crawling all over it to to cover this and and actually i think that press releases are often the most ineffective way to get press coverage and you know and if you're thinking of hiring a PR company if you hear them say something like oh we'll write a press release for you and send it out to all our contacts that's probably a red that would be a red flag to me what right. you looking to hear from is somebody say well what we'll really look at is where what is it you're trying to achieve through your pr, where where you need to be in order to achieve that, and then targeting some specific magazines or newspapers or radio or TV programs and and then really, really studying them so that we can work out the best possible stories that that we can pitch to get you there, No mention of press releases whatsoever, because I think the thing people forget is that every newspaper, every magazine is different. you know, so it's just like, if you send a press release out it's essentially like going up to somebody in a bar and using this going going up with the same chat up line and using it to every woman or man in a bar <laughs> um, and you know obviously everyone's different and um you know i often use this dating analogy it's like you know if you want somebody to go out with you and, and you know they like walking then you're probably going to tell that story about the time that you went walking in the lake district once or you know if you know they're like a certain band you're probably going to slip it into conversation that that, <laughs> that you like that band too or whatever it is but i think you know essentially the press release route is just like going up to everybody with the same chat up line and then wondering why you're getting turned away. Um, and because you're not offering something's tailored, you haven't thought about them, you haven't you know thought about what might work for them. And um, I think that really is often the problem with press releases. It's, it's not personalized. And I think increasingly, you know, in all aspects of a communication, we're all looking for that personal touch, aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I run a Facebook group, and I welcome every single person that comes into my Facebook group personally. And you know, I might not know who they are, but I quickly go and have a look at who they are, and if there's something that I, can you know, if, if there's some kind of connection I can make, or I can say, oh, I can see that you know this person did that. You know, I would try and make that personal connection. But I think there's something very impersonal about press releases, which is why they don't generally work very well.
0: And of course, if you've got a relationship with a journalist that's been cultivated over a number of weeks, months, however many, it may even be years. A formal press release isn't necessary. It could be no. a tweet. It could be a direct message on Facebook. It could be obviously a phone call. It could even just be something you've written on the ba- off the back on the back of a napkin or something like that. As long as it's, it tells the story and the story's interesting and the story's a lot different than a lot of the other stuff that they're getting inundated with day in day out.
2: Yeah I mean I used to say this all the time, it doesn't sound very pleasant does it but I used to say if your story is written on loo paper like (laughs) it's an interesting story a journalist will follow up with you and and I literally sometimes I would get like really I could get a line on an email which is kind of you know it might have mistakes in it or something but if I thought it was interesting I would literally pick up the phone straight away and say I really like your idea I'm just on deadline at the moment but um, I'll call you as soon as I can and and I think people worry so much about press releases and you see it in organisations where people miss the boat on stories as well because mm-hmm. they're so busy writing a press release that the moment's gone so by the right. time they've had like 20 people sign off on it <laughs> then the moment's gone and often you know the media is all about timing as well so, so it, it, it's it's just like you know we've had this awful tragedy in orlando as as we're recording this a shooting in a bar and and it's kind of like if you were somebody that had something to to, you were able to add something to that because maybe you'd worked at that bar or you'd worked in in the area or, or something whatever then it's no good you calling up a week later to say oh i can Offer a comment on what's happening there now, um, you you need to to pick up the phone or get in touch now because that's when you've got something to add to the story. And I know that's a very extreme example, but hopefully it kind of puts it into context. So, you know, if the government's just announced some new financial regulations and everybody's talking about it today in the Mm -hmm. papers or they're talking about it, you know, when you turn on BBC Breakfast or whatever, that's what people are talking about. Then it's no good you writing a press release and sending it around to like eight different people to sign off and then three days later getting in touch you need to have that kind of agility so you can get on the phone right now and that's how people get themselves on telly and that's how they get you know people often wonder you know how, how does that organization always get on the good morning britain sofa or how come bbc breakfast are always talking to that 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 particular financial company or whatever it might be and uh-huh. it's, that's exactly what they do you know they, they jump on it straight away
0: So for financial advisors and financial services professionals listening to the podcast today, Janet, you've given them quite a lot of tips already in terms of don't be afraid of journalists. They're not going to trip you up. Create a relationship with a journalist rather than sending out the the, uh, traditional press release. Or if you have to send something out, make it more of a personalised connection. Anything else, any one or two other tips that you could give to a financial services professional looking to increase the media coverage that they get?
2: Well one other tip I wanted to add about meeting journalists actually was um I mean, people are so busy these days Mm. that it can literally not be that journalists don't want to meet you for coffee or dinner or whatever. And particularly if you don't work for a big... Like, you worked for a big company where you probably had the budget to take them out for a nice lunch and hire a table and all this kind of thing. But if you're like a, you know, a one-person band, as it were, Mm -hmm. or a small company... So I would always say just reach out and just ask anyway. You know, never feel that you... I mean, it's funny, we had this event in London the other day with this editor from the Evening Standard, and she said surprisingly few people asked her for coffee. And she was like, yeah, if you ask me for coffee, I'll come for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no one does. But actually, on other publications, it might be that they're too busy. Um, but always ask anyway. And if you can't get if, if you can't get them out to you or you can't get them to come and meet you near the office, and that's a tip as well, always offer to go to them. hmm then, um, then get yourself where they are. So find out where they're speaking. Now, lots of journalists, you'll know this, they, they end up being invited to, I'm chairing a conference actually in my sector in a couple of weeks' time. They often end up chairing conferences. Um, they often speak at events, like the kind of events that, that I put on. They, they might even be running workshops or whatever. So so find out where they are and go. And another, another good tip is actually industry conferences. So yeah. often journalists will all go to the big industry conferences. There'll be a press room there and they're kind of basically camping out there for three or four days. So if you say to them, look, can I just grab you for a coffee at the press room? Then they're probably gonna say yes, but I think it does involve a little bit of effort on your part. Um, and I think for those people listening who run their own businesses, I think is just I mean this sounds really harsh but it's just so true journalists are not interested in your business (laughs) um, they're not interested in writing worthy pieces about how fantastic you are or the fact that you won the financial services advisor of the year award or whatever you know your local paper might be interested in that or industry press but if you're looking to go bigger I always say to people you need to look around the edges of your business so I'll give you a few examples of some coverage that, that I've got so I have written a few pieces for the Guardian about working for Free. So um, one piece for the Guardian for working for free. Why women need to stop working for free. And this basically came from something that happened to me. I was fed up with people emailing me asking me to speak at events. And what would happen is they'd say, "Could you speak at this event?" I'd say, "Yes, that sounds great. I'm free." What sort of fee were you thinking of? Hoping to start the negotiations. (laughs) And then they'd say well we were hoping you might do it for exposure. Yeah. and I'd say well you know I've been doing this a while and actually I could probably just do with paying my mortgage really and, and the interesting thing about it was that often then they would pull out a very respectable fee mm-hmm. you know it wasn't that they couldn't pay it was no like they're they are <laughs> just
0: trying it on just
2: trying it on so that's obviously an issue that's obviously relevant to me and interesting to me it's not about my business but it is, a, it is related to my business because obviously I want to tell people that I do speaking and they can book me for speaking. So I pitched that to the Guardian, and but I knew it would be really interesting to other people who run their businesses and they would have opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was it's a lot of the stuff that people pitch to the media is like, so what? Who cares? But I knew other people would be all over it, and so they were. So I pitched it to the Guardian's Women in Leadership section, wrote the piece, went mad, loads and loads of comments, whatever. And this is another little tip: you can you can recycle. You know, you can take that idea and then and then kind of. Get get loads of different stories out of it to be honest so i also write for entrepreneur uh-huh. magazine, and so some of the feedback i got was well this is all very well but actually sometimes there are occasions when you need to work for free and i would agree with that you know like my husband's a um he's a journalist as well but he works more on the design side and he always right. used to say with work experience you know well, somebody comes in and they don't know how to use photoshop or they don't know how to use InDesign, they're, they're pretty useless to you you know so <laughs> like so actually there is an argument that at certain times you know you do need to just kind of like bite the bullet and just go in and learn what you can, and make the tea and whatever. Um, so I did a piece for Entrepreneur, which was like this: these are the times when it's okay to work for free. And so I <laughs> turned that into like a, you know, to, to sort of, sort of took that article and turned it on its head. And, and that was a, another piece that worked well for Entrepreneur. Now neither of those pieces are about my business. But they gave me plenty of opportunity to talk about it and Mm. talk about some of the things that I do. I've also written a few pieces or been interviewed actually for quite a few pieces about the fact that I work in a shed at the bottom of my garden. (laughs) People are very, very interested in this so-called chic shed that I've got at the bottom (laughs) of my garden. And again... It's not about my business, but it gives me an opportunity to talk about it and, mm. and talk about an angle of it that people are actually interested in. You know, they people are very interested in my shed. Like, they always getting in touch about it. In fact, I've actually got a, uh, I've got a page on my website. People are so interested in it that I send people to because they want to know how much it was and what who I used and all that kind of stuff. And um, and 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 there's a lovely quote. I was I was quoted in Metro talking about it. And obviously, because I know what I'm doing, i was like, you know, use it, using it to to its max. But there's a, a lovely quote with me sort of saying things like, you know, and I, I, I love being here because I, I sometimes run training courses here. It's a relaxed environment. I'm not a particularly corporate person, but, you know, I run these lovely workshops teaching people how to get in the media. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so this is the thing is you've got to play it clever. You know, if journalists aren't interested in writing worthy pieces about, you know, the fact that you've won the best, you know, the company that's best at recycling or something in your sector then you've got to you've got to find them what they are interested in and give them what they want because no amount of press releases no amount of phoning them up to chase them no amount of follow-up emails is going to persuade them that your story is, is interesting if it isn't mm. you, you just need to you know find out what they're interested in and then give it to them
0: those are really good tips janet so thanks so much for that but tell me about this book that you've written it's got a really really interesting title
2: so the book is called "Your Press Release Is Breaking My Heart." Oh, that's it's totally just great. unconventional story. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it. A totally unconventional guide to selling your story in the media, and basically where it came from, it was the story that I, I told you right at the beginning. So, so I I started working as a journalist, realised that people were awful at selling stories into the media, and mainly because they were just sending these awful press releases that nobody was interested in so i teach people how to get in the media and you know i'm pretty good at it like Mm -hmm. that sounds a bit big-headed but you know obviously i wouldn't still be doing it and i get people in places like the daily mail and the huffington post and entrepreneur and i say i get people i teach people how to do it themselves so you know that's a big thing for me is i empower people to so that they they don't need to rely on me or or a PR company they can go off and and do it themselves and my clients was on loose women the other day which is always (laughs) very exciting um and so I teach what I know from the from the perspective of being a journalist so I teach what I know from being that person who sits behind a computer screen and gets your press releases gets your pitches and knows what makes a good story and what doesn't so I don't have any of this fluff that you see PR companies going on about you know oh, you see all sorts of things that they they go on about um ROI and value Uh, value added and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm basically like, you know, you just need to give journalists what they're, You know what they're interested in and this is how to do it and Mm -hmm. i very much teach people from the point of view of of kind of what journalists do so for example journalists they have like on and off diary stories so i teach people how to plan a media calendar in the same way as a journalist would so that you're totally kind of you know in sync with with how they're thinking Uh and and so this book really it's almost like a mini course you know so i take people through everything from and i start off actually with With this, because it can be quite scary, I think, the thought of approaching the media if you've not done it before. And it took me a while to work out that actually it was, for some people, it's a bit of a too much of a big, big leap. So I teach people, first of all, the low hanging fruit. So I teach them, like, how to get press coverage without even pitching a journalist so okay. where to find journalists who are actually looking for people so that you don't have to do that big jump so I teach teach stuff like that you know how to find journalists who are looking for people actively to help them with stories on Twitter and on Facebook and, and places like that and then I gradually take people up to well here's how to put a pitch together if you are going to write a press release here's, this is how to do it properly um and you know how to find journalists' contact details what to do if they ignore you and how to follow up and i've even got a chapter in there on how to do radio and tv interviews as well if you get that far and also writing for the media as well because increasingly journalists are looking for you to write that you know that they're, they're hungry for content that they mm-hmm. basically don't have to pay for. <laughs> so um, a lot of my clients they kind of get to the stage where they they, do, they they secure a piece in the Daily Mail or the Huffington Post and they're really happy and they're like oh my god I've got to write it. So I thought I would better put a chapter in there which is actually about how to how to write for the media as well. And then at the end I'm not totally anti-PR companies, but what I really feel strongly is that if you're going to hire somebody you need to understand what you're doing so you can make the best hire so that the final chapter is okay so if you've done all of this and you've learnt this but you still feel you need to outsource here's how to find somebody really good and here's the right questions to ask, this is what you need to ask to see and that kind of thing. So yeah, essentially it's like a little mini course in in a book. And, you know, I, I've taken the content from I've been creating this blog content for years and that's been very popular with people and see my podcast. So so um so I, I think, you know, and, and certainly the feedback I've got from my book group is that it's it's kind of very easy to follow. There's lots of really you know examples in there and, and, and so if you're kind of looking to kind of make your first step into it I think it could be a really good like starting point, jumping point for somebody who's thinking well I'd like to try this but I'd like to I'd like to know more first and and understand it a little bit better
0: Sounds like an invaluable resource, Janet. And when is the publication date? So it's
2: July the 7th. So I'm just waiting for my form, as we speak, I'm just waiting for my formatting editor to get me back the formatted book. Um, and um, and then it will be on pre-order. So as soon as it's ready, I'll send you the link, depending on, on uh, when you're, you're planning to publish this episode. But yeah, July the 7th is a big day. I'm running a big event in London um, with a load of journalists speaking. So I thought it would be a really great opportunity to, to launch my book there.
0: Janet, that has been an awesome run-through of some great tips for getting some PRs, getting some media coverage, creating relationships with journalists, and basically telling your story so that you can get, hopefully your business and your personal brand out there. I always finish the podcast with four quick fire business questions. The first question is, as a customer of the financial services industry, what would be the one thing that you would change if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave?
2: Get rid of call centres and allow me to speak directly to somebody and speak to somebody in person.
0: Tell us about a campaign. It could be a marketing campaign for any product doesn't have to be financial services that's caught your attention in the last year tell us what it was and what you liked about it
2: oh um i noticed something on the train the other day that i was going to photograph and it was for these beds but i can't remember what the brands were but um basically it was storytelling and and it was just like this junior i'm I'm not explaining it very well but it was genius storytelling about buying a mattress and um, it was just telling this little story and i love any kind of marketing campaign where it tells a story. When I, mean, I was in Starbucks the other day, and I'm always looking at this stuff. I was looking at how you know they tell the story of the coffee beans and where they get them from and all that kind of thing. So anything with storytelling normally grabs me. I think they were called. I think this mattress company were called Eva or something like that. I noticed it had a lowercase e, which was kind of bothering me slightly. But <laughs> um, but it was like a little story that you could read on the train about the story of like a mattress and, and why these mattresses were better than others. And I thought it was genius.
0: Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a massive difference to your working life, Janet.
2: Gosh. Um I guess 0 as a financial one I use mm-hmm. that for my um accounting and my actually i kind of get my assistant to do a lot of it but um <laughs> yeah. but it has made life an awful lot easier for, for all of us i had my dad doing my books for years and he, he was very insistent that we start with quick books and um, and uh, it was a bit antiquated for me and so moving on to zero has, has helped make things a lot easier for us
0: and not including your amazing book which you're about to publish what's the best business book you've ever read tell us what it was and what you liked about it
2: so my favorite business book ever is The One Thing by Gary Keller, and the premise behind it is exactly that, it's just that that in all parts of your life, but particularly in your business, you ask yourself that question, what's the one thing that I could do right now that by doing it would make everything else uh, unnecessary, basically mm-hmm. is the question. And I find when I'm getting overwhelmed with tasks or overwhelmed in my business and finding myself going down places that I don't need to go. I can use that question to pull myself back. And it works in every part of your life as well.
0: Fantastic. What's the best way that people should get in touch?
2: So I try to direct people to my Facebook community, actually, because I've got a really great community in there with people from all different backgrounds, businesses who are just, they're basically interested in how to promote themselves and their business. So it's the soulful PR Facebook community. It's a really, really great community. But you can also find me on Twitter at Jan underscore Murray or you can drop me a line at janet at janetmurray.co.uk and that's my website as well and also Instagram so UK. so there's lots of places that you can find me but I try and get people over to to come into my Facebook group because it's really an amazing place where if if you just kind of want to get started with your PR and just want to you know got really basic questions just want to start talking to other people who who are interested in the same thing it's a really great place to be.
0: That's great and I'll include Links to all of those contact details on the show notes for this page. I might even put your Snapchat code in there as well, Janet, at the show notes for this, which is rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. Janet, it's been amazing to talk to you this morning. I've really enjoyed our chat, really enjoyed the tips you've given and all the insight. Let me wish you every success of the book launch, every success of the future, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up with each other at some conference somewhere in the near future.
2: Yes, thanks so much for having me.
1: I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?